Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. Well, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 4 today, so if you have your Bibles, I'd love it if you open there. Um, If you remember last week, we were uh, going through chapter 3 of Jonah, which is right after he got spat out of the belly of the fish, right? And he goes over to the place of Nineveh, and he proclaims the word of God. He finally does it. Old Jonah, he finally did what he was told to do by God. And it was an amazing story, right? If we remember what happened last week with Jonah, is that with these people of Nineveh, right? These evil people, what did they do? They turned and they accepted, and they repented of their sin, and they turned towards the one true God. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord was faithful in what he said he was going to, if these people repented, right? Now, as we see, God relented of the disaster that he told he was going to do, and that should be an ultimate cause for celebration for Jonah, right? But that's not what we see. As we're going to see here in chapter 4 today, I'm going to just jump right into it. There's no need to put in any fluff. As we're going to see today, Jonah is not as pleased as you would think he is. And so, if you have your Bibles open there today, I want you to look at verse 1 with me. And we're going to read through verse 3. It says in verse 1, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now, When we read this passage, now again, if you haven't been with us, we've been going through the series of Jonah, and we understand that this man, Jonah, he was a prophet of God, but he was kind of a rebellious prophet, meaning he didn't, he wanted, how do I say this? The Lord had called Jonah to do something, he didn't do it initially, and after another time going through, being disciplined by the Lord, he finally goes and he's he's obedient to the Lord, and he preaches the word of God. And these people repent, like I mentioned. But as we see in verse 1, that seemed to not please Jonah. Now, I think for us, reading this in the 21st century, or not even just the 21st century, but just reading this passage, I think it can be kind of confusing. Why would Jonah be upset? I don't know about you guys, but if I had a family member or a friend or a stranger even who I knew was completely going against what the word of the Lord had called them to do, right? Sinning deliberately, just not living a life for the Lord. And we were able to plant a seed, and we see them come to faith. I don't know about you guys, but I'd be rejoicing for that. So why is Jonah angry? Well, there's a few possibilities. Number one, we need to understand what kind of people the Ninevites were, right? The people of Nineveh, we're obviously a part of the Assyrian Empire, right? Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And if you remember back a couple weeks ago, right, the Assyrians were evil people, right? They, they were murderous people. They were horrible towards, especially the people, like, of Israel, right? They were at enemies. They were at odds with each other, right? 
to think about God destroying a place like Assyria, like, like Nineveh, I think that would deeply please Jonah, wouldn't it? Revenge is finally here, right? The people in Nineveh can get destroyed. Wow, how an amazing thing that would be, right? What a victory for Israel. That could be a possibility, right? But what about this? God forgiving the Ninevites, it probably went against Jonah's understanding of justice, right? Here's these evil people who terrorize those who have been conquered. They didn't deserve mercy in Jonah's eyes. They deserved all of God's wrath and judgment on them. I'm sure Jonah probably envisioned some kind of Sodom and Gomorrah type of thing. However, when the Lord spares them, I'm sure this goes completely against Jonah's idea of justice. And finally, I think another reason, and maybe probably the most logistically speaking, not logistically, but just realistically speaking, is thinking about how if God sparing the people of Nineveh, that would have made Jonah's prophecy invalid, right? And so we see a couple of reasons why Jonah was upset. And ultimately it comes down to this. God didn't do what Jonah thought God was going to do. And that's really what we want to talk about today. How many of us in this room today, the Lord has done something in your life that you, was just completely unexpected? Anybody? Yeah? How about this? Have you ever had something that you've prayed for really, really hard, and yet somehow the Lord does something completely different, and you just are like, wait, hold on a minute. Lord, that's not what I wanted. Anybody? Anybody ever been frustrated that God did something outside of their plan? Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, I think it's an amazing thing that God does things like that. That he does things beyond our wildest dreams and imagination. And sometimes it goes against our plan and it makes us upset because we think, oh, yeah, well, I know better than God. How? How many of us have ever said this? Lord, I wanted you to do this in my life. I asked for this, but you gave me this. We get so frustrated with God. I can't begin to count the times in my life where I've been almost positive that the Lord was leading me to do something, an open door, if you will. It's like it's right there. Oh, yeah, that's what the Lord wants me to do in my life, right? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he slams that door in my face. Or he changes my plans. I'll tell you a testimony real quick. When I was in college, uh, I originally had plans to be a history teacher. And I remember uh, COVID. Everybody remembers COVID just a couple years ago, right? How many plans were changed because of COVID? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of ours. I really felt the Lord calling on my life. I knew, man, that's what God called me to do was to go be a history teacher. And then right around that time, it didn't really, it wasn't panning out. And eventually the Lord led me down a different direction. But it was so confusing because for so long there, I had no idea what God wanted me to do. And what we are going to see here with Jonah today is that you don't always get what you ask for and you don't always get what you plan for. And that's going to be our main theme for today. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, I want to throw this passage in here just for us to kind of get a glimpse uh, of what it means for the Lord to do things that we don't fully understand. Because this is something that I think we need to understand. 
It says to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we all, that all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. See, we need to understand that sometimes the Lord doesn't do the things that we want him to do, but yet that doesn't stop him from having a greater and better plan for our lives. Sometimes things get confusing, right? For Jonah, it was kind of a, a bad deal, right? These people, he had the full plan. He, he was told by God to go tell them, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. He had a full idea in his head, like, oh boy, God, I'm going to get, these people, they're going to get what ha- they had coming to them. But we saw in verse 10 of chapter 3 that God saw how they repented of their sin and how, he turned, how they turned from their evil way, and it said that God relented of the disaster that he said he was going to do to them. God provided mercy, even though Jonah felt like they didn't. And I think in this passage, what we see here is that Jonah's heart is misaligned with what God's heart is. And we see it throughout the passage, right? We see it all throughout the book of Jonah, right? Jonah's heart is clearly not in the right place. As we're going to see for Jonah, his biggest issue is that he, what he wanted to see happen to the Ninevites and what the Lord wanted were two completely different things. His heart was misaligned with the Lord's heart. And his plan was not the same as God's plan. As we saw in Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, it said, He prayed to the Lord, and he said, Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish for you. I knew you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Right, you see, Jonah is naming all the attributes of his God, but right, that's his God, not the Ninevites. How should God's grace be applied to the Ninevites when they're not a part of Israel? That makes no sense. I think this passage, yet again, reveals the heart of Jonah. Because his misunderstanding of the God that he served, he was so ignorant to the fact that the true character of God was on display to a people who weren't his. He was so flustered with the Lord that he asked him to take his life. Man, what, an, what a dramatic thing. He said he was better for him to die than for him to live. Jonah was clearly upset that things didn't go to plan for him. And I love what the Lord says in verse 4. He, he gives him a kind of a quirky response. He says, do you do well to be angry? You know, it kind of reminds me. Obviously, I don't have any children, but I see it all the time with so many kids around our, our church and uh, just in the area. It's so funny when I see a kid throw a tantrum because they didn't get what they wanted, and they kind of sit down there, and mom and dad look at them and like, are you done? <laughs> I almost feel like that kind of is what I'm seeing here with Jonah. Jonah didn't get the response that he wanted. He's being completely selfish in his heart. And his heart, again, I've said this many times now, his heart was being, it was not in calibration with the Lord's, was it? See, we too can get frustrated with God when things don't go to plan. But yet, are we ever willing to accept the fact that we're in the wrong 
and that we are the ones needing to be realigned with God, not God aligned with us? Sure, maybe we don't say that with our mouths, right? We're not that prideful, right? We don't say, oh, Lord needs to figure, you know, I know what's best. But so often our actions show that we are not truly aligned with the word of God. And what I see in this passage is another thing that I just feel like has to be drawn out of the text, is that these people, they had repented. They are truly turning towards the one true God. What an amazing testimony that is. But Jonah didn't seem to care about that. He was more focused on seeing justice of his God, that he wasn't able to rejoice in the fact that his God was being merciful towards these people who did not deserve mercy. And when I think about it, I think about our own lives. How often are we willing to pray for our enemies and willing to pray for those who are against us? Probably not very often. Again, when we're misaligned with the word of God, right, it's so easy for our own minds and our own hearts to take the wheel. And we lose sight of the grace of God that was bestowed on us first, right? This is an amazing thing, and it's an important thing that we reflect on. It said in verse 5 that Jonah went out of the city, and he sat to the east of the city, and he made a booth for himself there. And he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now, the Lord God appointed a plant and came up over Jonah so that it might be a shade over his head to save him from discomfort. And so Jonah was exceedingly glad because of that plant. We see in this part of the passage that Jonah, he goes out to the edge of the city and he was going to wait, right? Because it says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Well, those 40 days hadn't passed quite yet, had they? And so he was like, well, maybe God will change his mind. Who knows? Right? Maybe those people will turn back to their evil ways. Who knows what happens? And I love what we see in this passage because we see, we see an act of mercy on Jonah from the Lord. Did you see that? It said that he shed under the shade to see what would have become of the city. The Lord did something amazing. He appointed a plant to come up over Jonah, that it'd be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. You know, have you guys picked out on that yet? Of the fact that that word appointed appears so many times in Jonah's story. The Lord had appointed, right, what? A storm to come and teach Jonah a lesson, right? That make him want to be thrown overboard. He appointed a great fish to save Jonah, Right? And now we see the Lord appointing this plant to cover his head. I think that's an amazing thing because despite Jonah's wrongful anger and misaligned heart, the Lord still provided yet another act of grace on Jonah. As if the great fish swallowing Jonah up and saving him from death wasn't enough, now the Lord appointed a great plant to grow over his head to save him from discomfort. Can we just pause and just admit or just see here how graceful and merciful he is towards sinful Jonah here? Can I ask you this? And I asked my youth this, this morning. How many times has the Lord been merciful towards you, providing utmost grace for you when you don't deserve it? Have you paused and thought about in the weeks past where you have fallen short 
and you have willingful, willingfully, can I say that word? Willingfully sinned against your Lord, but yet he still provide grace towards you. That's that, what Jonah just, right, he said it. For you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger. How many of you are very thankful that the Lord is slow to anger in your life? Praise the Lord for that. Jonah did not deserve a single thing that the Lord had given him. Right? He was willingly sinning, sinning against God. He was very loosely following what the Lord had told him to do, right? But the Lord was still merciful towards him because that's the God that he served. More beautiful today, that is the God that you serve today. The Lord hasn't changed, has he? Something to rejoice in. Now, you might think, well, that was pretty nice of God to, to point that great plant over him. I mean, Jonah didn't deserve that, but that was very nice of him. What a, what a swell gift that was. But as we're going to see here, the Lord had a little bit of a sense of humor, I think. Because <laughs> in verse 7, it said, when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm to attack that plant so it withered. <laughs> I, I read that passage and I just laugh because I'm like, gotcha. <laughs> When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it's better for me to die than to live. So just as the Lord had given this great plant, so does the Lord appoint a worm to come eat that plant up. And not only that, he didn't just stop there. He appointed a scorching east wind to come and make Jonah really uncomfortable. It's like, I'm not done with you yet, Jonah. You know, just like we were singing in that song, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, right? You know, in our lives, the Lord does that too, I think. There's times where he gives us grace and, 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 and mercy on us, and he appoints things in our lives that make us go, oh, thank you, Lord, that's awesome. But he also does things in our lives to teach us a lesson. Do you remember back in chapter 2, we talked about Jonah being disciplined by God, right? Here's another example of the Lord disciplining Jonah for his poor heart posture. And again, we see Jonah say the same thing he did at the end of verse 8. He said, man, it's better for me to die than to live, right? He says, just take my life, Lord. Jonah was fed up, I think. In verse 9, God asks the same question that he did earlier. He says, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And Jonah, answering this time, he said, yes, I do do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. See, in this point, the Lord was giving Jonah a lesson. He was teaching him a lesson. And... Verse 10, the Lord really sinks the lesson down deep, and he reminds Jonah who he's talking to. It says in verse 10, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? 
Now, this is where the, pa- this is where the whole book ends. And for many people, it's like, what? <laughs> that's it? That's, that's the story of Jonah right there? It ends with 120,000 persons who do not know the right hand from the left and also much cattle? That seems so abrupt of an ending. But what we see in this passage is the Lord is reminding them who's in control of the whole thing. And that Jonah is not in control of the situation. Jonah has no part in what the Lord decides to do. The Lord being merciful and giving mercy to whom he wants, regardless of what others think, that is up to the Lord's doing, not Jonah's. For the Lord to forgive the people of Nineveh, even though it goes beyond Jonah's wishes, that's the Lord's decision, not Jonah's. Jonah is the creation. The Lord is the creator. And I think God had to remind Jonah of that. When I think about that idea that we are not in control, I think that should provide more comfort for us than anything else. I don't know about you, but I don't like being in control. <laughs> and what I mean by that, because a lot of times we say we, we like being in control until things get crazy, and then we're like, okay, I'm done, right? See, what is so beautiful about serving the God that we do is that we don't have to be in control of our situation, but rather we can trust in the one who does have control in the situation, right? The Lord is sovereign, and his plan is perfect, and a lot of times we're not willing to accept that his plan is perfect. Again, I can walk through so many different times in my life where I felt like things were going so well, and then the Lord takes something away from me, And I'm like, Lord, why did you do that? I thought that was a good thing. And sometimes the Lord reveals to me later on that that was not a good thing. (laughs) It was not what was best for me. And maybe that's your story today. I don't know what what you're walking through, what, what the Lord is working on in your life. But can I tell you that sometimes the Lord shuts doors in your life to open better ones? The Lord knows what's best for you. And that's a difficult thing for us to wrap our minds around sometimes because sometimes it's hard. Let's just be real. It's hard to see what the Lord really wants in our lives. What Josh read earlier with the idea of the word of the Lord being a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, that's a beautiful thing because we don't have, because when we're walking through this life on our own without using the Lord to lead and guide us, it's a dark path, isn't it? We can hope to take some right turns along the way, but ultimately, it's dim, it's dark. Sometimes good things happen to us, sometimes bad things do, sometimes it's confusing. But no matter what, the Lord is faithful, and when you trust in Him, and you're trusting in His Word, and you're letting it be a light unto your feet, man, it's amazing how the Lord just seems to continue to lead you down a good path, and a right path. And you realize what is wrong paths to take. It's a beautiful thing. See, we, so, we want so badly for something spectacular to happen in our lives, and in our own way, we try everything in our power 
to make it happen. Maybe this would be pursuing a new job or a relationship, or maybe it's a new business adventure that gets rich quickly, right? There's all these things in our lives that we try to do on our own. And inadvertently, we, when we chase these dreams and ambitions, we somehow abandon the will of God and we take Him out of the center in order to make these things happen. We lose sight of our true purpose in honoring God in our lives by chasing things that are outside of the will of God. Yes, the Lord wants to bless you, and of course we know James says that every good and perfect gift is from above. And Jesus himself said, right, anything you ask in my name, I will do it. So what are we supposed to do when we ask the Lord for something and he doesn't do it? What do we do in that? Maybe we think to ourselves, well, if I believe and pray hard enough, surely eventually I'll get it, right? But can I tell you something today that might be a little bit discouraging at surface level? And maybe you need this to be told to you. Sometimes God doesn't say yes to what you ask him. Can I tell you that sometimes God says no? (laughs) That's not, what? I thought he's supposed to give me anything I want. What? Not only that, but sometimes he says maybe, not now, maybe later. That's a difficult thing for us to, like what? But it says, right, every good and perfect gift is from above, right? This was a good and perfect gift. Lord, I wanted you to give this to me. Sometimes that doesn't happen, does it? Sometimes the Lord says no or wait or not yet because something that I want, this is big for you today. And this is really what the message is all about. If you don't hear anything else I say, because I'm rambling. (laughs) Can I tell you today that his plan will always be greater than our plan? Let me say that again. His plan is always going to be greater than your plan. And what I mean by that is whatever plan you think you can come up with in here, if you leave the Lord out of the equation, what are you doing? If Christ Jesus is your chief cornerstone, everything in your life should evolve around him. Every business adventure you go through, every relationship you try to start or end, whatever it is, how you handle your finances, everything that you do must be centered around the will of God for your life. And maybe you're asking yourself today, let me just say this, maybe some of us in today, we're like, well, what do I do? I don't know what... What is God's willing for my life? What does God want me to do in my life? I don't know. I don't know. Well, number one, if you haven't already, the number one will for God in your life is to accept His Son, Jesus, as your Lord and Savior. That's the biggest thing. And number two, following that, is to live a life worthy of the gospel. To live a life for Him, completely sold out for Him. And when Jesus is your chief cornerstone in your life, when he is at the center, and you, every single decision you make, you, make you, you start here, you start here in prayer, man, it's amazing the results that you'll see. Now look, I'm not a salesman, okay? I'm not, like, I'm not trying to be a car salesman here, here and try to sell you Jesus. Oh yeah, for four payments of prayer, you'll have all that you want. But what I am saying is this, is that when you have Christ at the center and you let his will for your life drive your life, you will see amazing things. Now, I'm 26 years old, 
I've been following Jesus since I was 17, so uh, nine years. <laughs> had to do the math. But let me tell you, I don't do it perfectly. But here's what I have noticed in my life thus far. I've had a lot of big life things happen to me. Every time that I've tried to do something on my own, I've failed. I've failed. Every time I've tried to abandon the word of God to go try to chase these random things that I think are right for my life, they fail. Why? Because I didn't start here. But let me tell you something. Whenever I finally realized in my small little peanut brain that I need to start following the word of the Lord first, trusting in his plan and promise for my life first, you know what's amazing, church? I'm not saying it's happened perfectly, but things seem to work out a little bit better. And so, to be reminded today that what we think is good and right and perfect and what God thinks is good and right and perfect, they should align. Because let me tell you something, this might be also difficult for you to hear today, but if what your will, if you think that your will is better than God's will, and it's just not seem to line up, but you think, oh, well, God should figure it out, right? You're in the wrong. Can I tell you that if your will today misaligns with God's will, then your will is wrong. That's difficult to hear. But to be reminded in Isaiah 55, it says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God speaking. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. The Lord knows better. He always does. He always will. I want to read to you one other passage that just came to, to mind here. In James, maybe some of you are familiar with it. But we read this again this morning in Sunday school. In verse Chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. It all starts today with asking the Lord for his guidance and his wisdom. It's such an important thing, but it's a thing that we oftentimes miss. Again, like we read through in Jonah today. And as we've read through Jonah in the past few weeks, Jonah clearly was not aligned with what the Lord had for his life. He was disobeying, willingly disobeying what the Lord has called on him. And we see Jonah fail a lot, don't we? But you know what's amazing is that God is always merciful. When we ask for his mercy, he gives it to us. And that's a beautiful thing. But it's not something to abuse. Let me tell you that. Too often we think, well, I can keep doing wrong. And, well, the Lord's going to forgive me either way, right? No. Don't abuse his grace. As we finish Jonah, there's a few things I want us to dwell on. First, as we've mentioned many times, Jonah is not, not <laughs> the example that we follow but rather Jesus is. As we read through the story of Jonah, sure, he's had a few couple high points, but yet for most of his story, we see a flawed and sinful man serving a perfect and holy God. And in the story, we see, for starters, that we see that, dis that obeying 
the word, what the word, for starters, we see that obeying what the Lord has called on our lives the first time we hear it is far more rewarding than disobeying it over and over and over again. And that trying to do things on our own is just simply pointless. We could try and try to outwit our God, but it just never seems to work out in our favor, and there's a reason for that. But when we have Christ as the center of our lives, we start to see things fall in their place much easier than if we had him outside of, a, of the center. I see this all the time, and I pray that it's not you today. But oftentimes we, we try to make Jesus just a thing that we do. You guys know what I'm talking about? Oftentimes we, yeah, he's kind of, you know, yeah, sure, we've got sp- school and sports and, and family activities, and we got church on Sunday. Oh, yeah, that's kind of in there, too, you know. And it's just kind of a part of our big cycle of life, but we don't allow him to be at the center, right? That is something that is so difficult for so many people, and I know that in the modern world, it's just not, it's just not something we do anymore. But to see how your relationships, how school and how just life in general, when you allow Jesus at the center, how much amazing, how, many, how much more amazing it is. That's one of those things. Second, we see that through the story of Jonah, that we shouldn't wait until we are deep in the pit to call out to our Lord. Again, when we have Christ at the center and we lean, learn to lean on him for both the big things and the small things, we start to gain trust in our Lord, which is a beautiful thing. I, as a believer, could not imagine trying to trod through life without having Christ at my center. How difficult and meaningless it would be, seriously. Again, when we make Jesus our first option and not our last resort, we, can, we see growth in our faith, and we learn to trust Him even more. It's an amazing thing. That's what a relationship with Jesus gets you, is more trust, and your faith will continue to grow. Finally, and most importantly, The story of Jonah teaches us how patient and merciful our God is towards sinners like me, like you. Not only do we see the patience the Lord had with the people of Nineveh to repent, but we also see how the Lord gave Jonah so many opportunities to realign his heart. Even though in the story we don't see the finale of that. But think about it. The Lord was so merciful towards Jonah, and guess what? He was slow to anger. I feel like that's something that we need to grow in is seeing that we need to continue to trust in God the first time and be obedient to his will. Even though Jonah was disobedient and sinful, the Lord still showed his grace for Jonah by appointing these many things to save, comfort, and preserve Jonah, right? The fish, the plant. And if that's not a gracious God, then I don't know what is. To align with the will of God and not stray is absolutely crucial your health as a Christian. I want to share a story with you that I I read this past week that I think is a really good illustration of what it means to align our hearts with the will of God. A famous pastor many years ago named F.B. Meyer was sailing to England from Northern Ireland, and he tells a story of how it was late at night one night, and the ship was going into the harbor, and there was nothing to be seen but a confusing array of lights on the horizon. Dr. Meyer wondered how the captain could hope to navigate in the harbor at, safely at night with such a confusing jumble of lights. So he asked him a, a very simple question. He said, how do you do this? 
And the captain took him to the bridge and he said, you see, sir, it's really quite simple. Do you see that big light over there to the left? Do you see that big light over there to the right? And Do you see that big light right in front of you? Now keep your eyes on all these three lights and watch close. As Dr. Meyer watched, the big outer light on the left gradually moved in and joined with the middle light. And as the ship continued to turn, the light continually from the, from the left, continu- or, sorry, on the right, eventually got in a line with the middle and the left light. There now, said the captain. All I have to do is see that those three lights are together, and I know that I just need to go straight. As he pondered it, Dr. Meyer came to this grand conclusion that just as the ship must be aligned with the three lights to continue straight to make it home, so must a believer have the three lights aligned to continue straight in the will of God. When Scripture and conscience are lined up with, an out, with the outward circumstances, we have no need to fear, for we can move safely ahead, for God's will is clear. So my prayer for you today, church, is that if you are not aligning yourself with the will of God, you can abandon your pride, pick up your cross, and follow the one who died so that you may live. When your life aligns with the word of God, then you know the will of God in your life as well, Because when you learn his word, you know what his will is for your life. And you can live a life straight on the amazing path of salvation. Christ paid the ultimate price for you, for your redemption. And as I mentioned last week, the the salvation he provides is a free gift that cannot be earned. But rather, it's an ultimate showing of grace towards you. The same God that provided grace for Jonah is the same God who provides grace for you today. And again, I want to finish with this, as much as I can. If there's anything that has been unclear in what I've been trying to say today, is number one, align your will with the will of God. And number two, if you are confused at all of what your will is in God, it is this. What is your purpose in life? It's this. Turn away from your sin, accept Christ as Lord, and live a life sold out for him. I pray today that if you are not living for Christ, that today would be your day of salvation. We're going to be having people down here who will be praying for you. And if you would like to come up and accept Jesus as Lord, I'll be up here. We would love to do that. Because today is a day of salvation. Don't wait to do that. In Romans 12:1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let me pray for you. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com.